Man, the sound was good, but my view wasn't that great. They say if you're not the lead dog, the scenery never changes. I think I understand what they mean now. You sounded better than you look, fellas. Amen. <laughs> well, it's good to be back tonight. Thank you for being here. I want you to go to the book of First Peter, chapter 5. First uh, Peter, chapter 5, as the uh, pastor announced. Um, I really hope that you'll work on getting some uh, folks here um, uh, tomorrow night, and I, I really think they can be helped, and certainly if they, as I said this morning, um, uh, some, as you tell them the, uh, the subject matter, they may be real honest with you and just tell you, I, I just can't, I, I, that's happened many, many times, um, and it's understandable, uh, but Hopefully they'll at least uh, tune in to the live stream and, and be helped that way. Well, if you're in First Peter, I want you to stand if you're willing and able. I'm just going to read a couple of verses here, and then we'll get into it tonight. Uh, the pastor's oldest son has informed me there's a baseball game going on. And uh, I know he doesn't say much, but when he does, he means it. And... Uh, so I've got strict instructions. I don't know if I can follow them exactly, but we're going to do our best. I'm glad he's sitting on the front row because he'll be a little embarrassed to get up and leave. And uh, he's probably embarrassed now, but that's all right. It's good for him. It's a preacher's kid. That's what they get. Amen. Chapter 5, verse 8. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil... As a roaring lion walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Thank you, and you may be seated. If you are a Civil War buff, then you are probably familiar with the Battle of Antietam. The Battle of Antietam was fought on Wednesday, September the 17th, 1862. It lasted for 12 hours and was the deadliest one-day battle in American military history. Though militarily the, the battle was a draw, Union General George McClellan was able to end Robert E. Lee's thrust into Maryland, forcing him to retire back across the Potomac. Now, to most of us, that information is neither here nor there. But the interesting thing about how General McClellan, who militarily was no match for Lee's army, was able to do what he did. What happened was two Union soldiers 
found a copy of Lee's battle plans. And they delivered them to McClellan before the engagement. So that obviously gave McClellan a decided advantage against his adversary and thus allowed him to avoid defeat. Now I say that tonight to say this. In the verses that we just read, Peter gives us some insight into our enemy's strategy. And along with various other passages of Scripture, we can know exactly how the devil aims to defeat us and what we can do to thwart his attempts. And church, make no mistake about it tonight, we are in a battle. The Christian life is not a playground. It's a battleground. That's why we're told to put on the whole armor of God. That's why we're told to fight the good fight of faith. That's why Paul said at the end of of his journey, I have fought a good fight. Our life as a child of God is a fight from beginning to end. But our enemies are not composed of flesh and blood. Our enemies, according to Ephesians chapter 6, consist of things like principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places and this hierarchy of evil, if you will, is led by none other than the devil himself, whom Peter, we just read it, likens to a roaring lion. Get that imagery in your mind tonight. A roaring lion walking about, seeking whom he may devour. Knowing these things, Peter says that we are to ready ourselves. We do that, first of all, by being sober. That word means to be serious-minded about the devil. Listen, church, Satan is no joke. He is the real deal. Not only are we to be sober, but we are to be vigilant or always alert to Satan's presence and the possibility of attack. When I I think of being sober-minded, your pastor made mention of this this morning, I am now in my 17th year of law enforcement as a commissioned officer for the Liberal Police Department. And I remember back in my early days as a a rookie, and I was in the academy, and I came out and I did my, my field training uh, the, 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 one of the first things that they, they drive into your head as a rookie is that there are no routine traffic stops. There are no routine calls for service. You've got to, as they say, you've got to keep your head on a swivel 
Because every, every interaction that a law enforcement has with the public poses a, a, a potential threat. And it's when an officer starts thinking that, that things are routine. Well, we've been, here, we've been here five times already this week or uh, whatever. And you begin thinking that, that this call is, is just like the other ones and it's just routine and you let your guard down. Listen, that's when he or she opens themselves up to either great bodily harm or death. And by the same token, we have got to keep our spiritual head on a swivel. Just ask Peter. He knew that all too well, didn't he? He let his guard down, and he ended up denying the Lord three times. That's why we ought to take this admonition in 1 Peter chapter 5 seriously, because it's been written from the real-life experience of someone whom the devil defeated. I believe that I'm safe in saying tonight, that every time any one of us have fallen prey to what the Bible calls the wiles of the devil, then we can chalk it up to a lack of seriousness and watchfulness on our part. We let our guard down. We let ourselves get in a situation where we shouldn't have been. We allowed ourselves to, to think something we shouldn't have thought or say something we shouldn't have said or look at something we shouldn't have looked at or feel a way we shouldn't have felt. And that happens when we let our guard down. And so Peter says right off the bat here that we need to ready ourselves with a sober mind. We have to be serious-minded. And then he says that we should respect the devil. Now, this should go without saying, but I'll say it anyway. I'm not suggesting that, that we are to give any honor. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about giving honor to our adversary. What I'm saying tonight is that we ought to have a healthy respect for the devil and who he is and what he can do. Just like an electrician has a healthy respect for what electricity can do. And, and a, a, a firearms owner has a healthy respect for what a loaded firearm can do. We must have the same kind of respect. And what makes it so easy for us to let our guard down is because we can't see him. We don't know where he is. And so we've got to constantly be aware of our surroundings, uh, be aware of the situations we're in, be aware of the company that we're in, be aware of how we're feeling, be aware of how we're thinking. Let's note a few things about the devil in our text. Number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. He's a common enemy. Peter calls him an adversary. But, but go back and, and, and read the verse that we just read. Verse 8, be sober, be vigilant, because, what's that next word? Your adversary. So he's not just an adversary. He is, a, he is specifically your adversary. 
my adversary. Peter wanted to make sure that his readers understood that the devil has a personal vendetta against each and every one of us. And he is out to destroy every one of us individually. And because none of us are the same, understand this tonight, church, he doesn't attack us all the same. Listen, Satan has his eye on you. And he knows, he knows where you're weak as a man. He knows where you're weak as a woman. He knows where you're weak as a husband or a wife or a parent or a child. He knows where you're weak as a leader. He knows where you're weak as a follower. Are you listening tonight? He knows and he will exploit those weaknesses whenever he's given the opportunity. He's also a cunning enemy. A South African author wrote in his book, The Lion Never Sleeps, preparing those you love for Satan's attacks. He wrote this, says, I have seen lions hunting. They will approach slowly, keenly aware of wind direction and staying downwind of their prey. Many times the lions don't care if the herd is alerted to their presence because they have confidence in themselves to succeed. Frequently the lion will run at a herd, not sprinting but more like jogging to frighten the herd and to get them moving. To human eyes the retreat of the herd may seem quite normal. But to the keen eye of the lion hunting for prey, dinner becomes obvious. He notices who is old, who is tired, and who is injured with a slight limp or any mannerism portraying weakness imperceptible to the human eye. Sometimes he roars to create panic as he runs at the herd in order to spot the weak ones. And once he decides on a target, he will run past others to get to the one he has chosen for his prey. It's no wonder tonight that Peter uses the analogy of a lion hunting its prey to describe the cunning nature of our adversary. It's my understanding that lions will often hide themselves near a water hole or near a trail and they'll wait for an unsuspecting animal to pass by. They're camouflaged by their tan color and they are patient enough to wait for hours on end. In the same way, the devil often camouflages his true intent. 
You remember back in the Garden of Eden, Genesis chapter 3, we get a, a good look at how he works. He disguised his real intent by appearing to be genuinely concerned. Right? He was, he was concerned about Adam and Eve. Let me stop right here and just say this tonight. The devil does not care one lick about you or about me. He doesn't care about our home. He doesn't care about our marriage. He doesn't care about our health or our job or our testimony or anything else. But he'll sure pretend that he does. One of the favorite, one of his favorite ploys is to get us to put a question mark where God puts a period. As a matter of fact, the first recorded words of the devil were in the form of a question. Yea, hath God said? Right? Amen. And ever since, he has been trying to get Christians to doubt. God's word. To question God's word. Now he would never, he would never say to us, don't believe God. And that, that's way, way too direct. But what he will do is to get us to begin wondering things like, did God really say that is that what God really meant is the Bible really the final authority or does what I think and what I feel also have some creep is Jesus really the only way to heaven? Did God really mean don't do it? Or did he just mean don't make it a habit? Watch out. Watch out. He's hiding. And just so you'll know, God said what he meant, and he meant what he said. And the fact that this is 2023 doesn't change a thing. What's wrong is wrong, and what's right is right. What God's word says is wrong will never be right, and what God's word says is right will never be wrong. Period. Not a question mark. Period. The devil is the common enemy of us all. He is your personal enemy. He knows who you are. He knows where you're weak. And he will do everything he can to exploit that weakness. 
And he's cunning. So very cunning. And here's a third truth. He's cruel. He's a cruel enemy. Did you catch what the South African pastor said about how lions prey on the old, the tired, and the injured? They love to exploit the weak. Satan is constantly on the prowl looking for any weakness in us that he can exploit to his advantage. Let me point out four specific weaknesses from right here in 1 Peter that the devil loves to exploit. The first one is pride. Pride. Satan loves to attack the prideful. That's why Peter said in chapter 5 and verse 5, And be ye clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. Listen to me tonight. The devil knows that if he can get a husband or a wife to be so prideful that they refuse to admit when they're wrong, then he can eventually exploit that in their marriage. He knows that if he can get a teenager to pridefully rebel against the authority of their parents, then he can wreak havoc in their life. Satan knows that if he can get a Christian to pridefully ignore the clear teachings of Scripture and hang on to his sin or hang on to her sin, then he wins. He knows that if he can get a church member to pridefully hang on to an offense and refuse to try and make things right with the pastor or with a staff member or with another brother or sister in Christ, then he can leverage that to his advantage. And I'm telling you, a lot of churches have have suffered irreparable harm and damage because of the sin of pride. Pride is a serious Weakness on our part that plays right into the hands of our adversary. And and notice that that Peter said at the end of, of that verse that God resists us. Listen, he resists us when we're proud. Don't miss that. Have you ever struggled feeling close to God? You hear other people talk about how they feel close to the Lord and, and, and I just had great fellowship with the Lord this morning in my devotions and man, I just had a wonderful time of personal worship and praise at my home this morning or, or whatever it is that they say. And you've wondered... Why can't I have that? 
Why can't I sense that? It may be that God's keeping you at arm's length because your pride reminds him of that day when Satan got proud and God booted him out of heaven. And God said, I don't want that anywhere near me. And so we're going to struggle. Are you listening tonight? We're going to struggle sensing any intimacy with God as long as we're a proud man or a proud woman. We'll never get to where we want to be in our relationship with the Lord as long as we're proud and haughty and high-minded. It's such a bad sin. It's such a terrible sin. And the devil has used that to destroy marriages and to destroy uh, uh, friendships and to convince young people that they don't need God and they don't need the Bible and they don't need the church and they don't need that junk that their mom and dad are trying to push on them and so they go off and do their own thing. Why? Because of pride. Telling you, the devil uses pride to his advantage so often. And church, that's why every now and then it's just good for us to take a knee before the Lord in a public setting and just humble ourselves. If for no other reason, just that thank the Lord for saving us and just say, God, please help me to to walk in the light of Scripture and and, and, and to to stay humble. I'm telling you, The devil loves to exploit pride. But not only pride, fear. Perhaps one of the most terrifying sounds is the roar of a lion. They say that lions roar for various reasons. But one is to terrorize and paralyze their prey. Peter encourages us in verse 7 to cast all of our care, all of our anxiety, all of our fear upon the Lord. And folks, we would be wise to do that. Look at it, casting all your care upon Him. Why? For He careth for you. But that's the last thing that Satan wants us to do. He wants us to be paralyzed with fear. Because listen, if we're living in fear, we're not living in faith. And faith is the victory that overcomes. And so if we're living, if we're not living in the victory of faith, we're living in the defeat of fear. And let's be honest, there are plenty of things happening in our world, in our nation, and in around the world that give us cause for fear. And, and, and we, can, we can literally become paralyzed with fear. 
We're afraid to make any decisions. We're afraid to follow the Lord. We're afraid to do this. <clears throat> Excuse me. We're afraid to do that because of fear. We're afraid to share our faith because of fear. We're afraid to take a stand because of fear. We're afraid to do any number of things because of fear. And we need to understand tonight that that is not coming from the Lord. Satan loves to prey on the fearful. And he also delights in taking advantage of the resentful. Peter instructs us in this same chapter in verse 9 to stand strong during times of suffering. Instead of pain drawing us to God, the devil likes to use it to drive us away from him. Again, he'll try and get us to question God. During hard times, during difficult times, during trying times. He wants us to be in questioning things like God's love. And God's care. And God's concern. And God's grace. And God's presence. I'm going to say it again. Don't let him put a question mark where God has put a period. Because if you do, you'll find yourself resenting God. And that's a dangerous place to be. The prideful. The fearful the resentful. And then Satan also, if you look in, in, in chapter 4, he loves to exploit the wandering ones. Don't miss this. The wandering ones. Look at chapter 4, verse 8. And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. For charity, we, we, we know that that's love shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. What's Peter talking about here? I would submit to you that he's talking about community. He's talking about fellowship. He's talking about our relationships with one another. In Africa, the gazelle is one of the lion's favorite menu items. But a lion seldom, listen to this, seldom attacks a gazelle when it's in the herd. Their plan 
is to wait until one gazelle strays away from the herd on, it, on its own or until it, it, it can get one turned away from the herd. And then once he's got his prey isolated, he moves in for the kill. Now church, here's the point I want to make tonight. The devil wants to get you away from your herd. Amen. Away from your people. Away from your Christian friends and your church family. He wants to isolate you so he can devour you. And one of the most effective weapons that he has in doing that is conflict. Hey, look around tonight. You go to church with a whole room full of sinners. Amen. Listen, you can't even get two sinners in a room without conflict. There's no way, preacher, there's no way you're going to get this many sinners together without there being some conflict. Why? Because we're sinners. Amen. And because sometimes we want to have our own way. Yeah. And because sometimes we just want to speak our mind. Which if you're like me, that's dangerous because you ain't got that much to share. Amen. Hey, who said that? <laughs> you, you don't know. Mercy, sister. Somebody get control of her. Is that how she treats every guest preacher? That's right, you're an idiot. It's all good. But you understand what I'm saying tonight? Conflict. It happens. Listen, I, I, I've been in, in church ministry. I was in church ministry for 39 years. The devil uses conflict, hurt feelings, offenses, jealousy, envy. I cannot tell you how many times I witnessed this scenario played out in nearly 40 years of ministry. And I'm talking, listen, I'm talking about people who at one time were all in. I mean, they were all in. They were at the center of everything. There wasn't a time that the doors were open that they were not there. They were involved in ministry and they were good givers and they were, were faithful and, and, and all of the things that you would want from a, a church member and expect from someone who is all in. But at some point, they either got hurt or were disappointed or were offended and there was conflict. And over time, I watched them lose interest and become more and more discontented. And more and more critical. 
and harder and harder in their spirit. And more and more isolated. And farther and farther away from the people that they needed to be close to. You can't have a church that's been in existence this long without there being some stories just like that. I'm guessing for some of you longtime members, your, your mind is already thinking about, yep, yeah, he's right. He's right. It happened. He's exactly right. But friend, listen to me tonight. Don't think that can't happen to you. Because it can it sure can. But you know what was happening in those situations and in situations that perhaps have happened over the years at Bible Baptist Church? Here's what was happening. The devil was poisoning their closest relationships in order to isolate them for the kill. Don't let that happen. Amen. Stay hooked up so you don't get picked off. Amen. Stay hooked up so you don't get picked off. Make sure that your relationships within this family of believers are on good ground. And understand that if you're not, listen, you are playing right into the hands of the devil. The devil is a common enemy. He's the enemy of every born again believer who's trying to do anything for God. He's a cunning enemy. Always trying to get us to question God. And I mean, we live in such a wicked age. And, and everyone from, from school teachers to college professors to whoever is questioning everything that is right and holy. That's the devil. Amen. That's what he does. He's a cruel enemy. He loves to exploit our weaknesses. And we all have them. And then I'd say this tonight. He's a confident enemy. Taking you back to the words of the, the pastor I quoted earlier. He said many times the lions don't care if the herd is alerted to their presence because they have confidence in themselves to succeed. Sadly, sadly the devil knows that there are always going to be weak Christians to prey on. The question tonight is this. Will you be one of his next victims? Will I be 
one of his next victims. Church, there's only one way to avoid that from happening. And Peter tells us right here in our text, we must resist him, resist him steadfast in the faith. Resist the devil. And note, Peter said, in the faith. Not in faith. It's not like you're going to stand up and say, I claim the blood of Jesus in faith. Not that kind of nonsense. He said, in the faith. That's very important. Words matter. What is the faith? The faith is the total body of truth that we call the Bible. This is the faith. This is the sword of the Spirit. Remember tonight, the devil is a liar. The Bible says he's the father of lies. And the best defense against a lie is what? The truth. The best defense against a lie is the truth. So the next time the devil tempts you with pride, remember the truth of the scripture. For God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. The next time he tries to paralyze you with fear, remember that God hath not given us a spirit of fear. Okay, time out. If it doesn't come from God, then who does it come from? The truth is God does not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. The next time he tries to build up resentment in your heart against God because of some painful moment in your life, remember the truth of Scripture. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. And when the wicked one tries to separate you from others by way of offenses and conflict, remember the truth of Scripture found in Ephesians 4.32, and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven So as we prepare for the invitation tonight, musicians can come if you'd like. As you look at, at your life in light of this message tonight, where have you allowed the devil to gain a foothold? Listen, if you give him an inch, he'll be your ruler. Have you allowed the lion's roar to paralyze you with fear? Oh, I just don't know what's going to happen. I, I just, you're just fearful. And you're now living in the defeat of fear rather than in the victory of faith. 
Have you somehow let the father of lies convince you that God really doesn't love you? Because if he did, he wouldn't have let that happen. He wouldn't have let that come into your life. If he really cared for you, then things would be better in your life than they are right now. Are you angry at God tonight? It happens. It happens. Here's a big, here's a big question. Have you become prideful in some areas of your life? Men, have you become prideful in some areas of your life? No, I'm not prideful, I'm just stubborn. Prideful. Ladies, have you allowed yourself to become prideful in some areas? Young people, have you allowed yourself to become prideful in some areas of your life? How about as a church member? Have you allowed yourself to become prideful in some areas of your life? Then how about your relationships inside the family of Bible Baptist Church? And, and this is a family. Amen. This is a body of believers. Right, Has the devil been allowed to poison some of your relationships within this church family tonight to the point that you've been infected with a negative, critical, complaining spirit? Do you find yourself tonight constantly nursing an offense that you have not dealt with biblically? Listen, there is, there is a biblical formula for dealing with offenses inside the family of God. Are you drifting tonight? Say, well, no, I'm not drifting. I'm here. Okay, listen. I know full well that it's possible to be here in body and drifting in spirit. It's quite possible to be here in body, but yet your heart is drifting. You just haven't found the courage yet to let your body follow your heart. Because you know better. But it's happening. You're drifting in your heart. You're drifting in your spirit. And if that's you tonight, I'm going to say one last thing and I'm going to be done. Stay hooked up so you don't get picked off. Let's stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed.